evening, and welcome to the Dave the Mystic Show. This is episode number 478 with author and communication expert Jeannie Siskomath. This is July 6, 2020 from Littleton, Colorado. If you've signed up with Blog Talk Radio, you can see and join in the chat. And please consider signing up for show announcements through my website at www.davethemystic.com. Well, thank you for joining us tonight with our guest, Jeannie Siskomath, two-time best-selling author, professional speaker, educator, and parent. Jeannie Siskomath will be sharing her scientifically proven system for improving communication and decreasing conflict. She has written many magazine articles, been quoted in Forbes, and was a contributor for The Blaze. She has been a guest on radio stations across the country. She has appeared on television for ABC4, Free Speech TV, and others. As a former member of the military, Jeannie had the honor of being sent to OCS. This leadership training helped her in many ways, from starting three very successful businesses to training staff and mentoring others with their startups and staffing issues. Jeannie was told in elementary school she would never make it because she was too stupid. Thank goodness she didn't believe them because she never would have done the things she has. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, after seeing all the things you've done, I can't believe that people are telling you as a kid that you were stupid. What was going on back then? <laughs> I had so many le- learning disabilities. They were they were absolutely correct. I had dyslexia, you know, not only visual where you the letters get all jumbled up, but also auditory. And so I couldn't I, – I had a speech impediment. Um, I had cancer. When I was younger, I had childhood cancer. I had I was six foot tall. You know, I just had all of these issues, and I I had so many learning disabilities. It was tough. It was really tough. And you know, as a young kid, them telling me you're stupid, you're never going to make it was painful. It hurt so bad, and it was so frustrating. And then, as an adult, looking back on it, I realized it was the perfect thing. Because I looked at him and said, you don't decide, I decide. And that has made all the difference, that tenacity. Not stubbornness, tenacity. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, I know uh, even in my wife's case, uh, her, her parents did something on the advice of the doctor, or took the advice of a doctor, and, and it really uh, held back my wife a good part of her life. Uh, yeah. When she was in elementary school, they found she had epilepsy. And the type of epilepsy, the neurologist told her parents, well, don't expect too much out of her. And so they yeah. never did. And so my wife never did perform. And uh, she went to college, and we went to college together. Uh, we met in high school, and she didn't do very well there and tried a couple different uh, programs and ended up not getting a degree. And then we go fast forward, I, I get my bachelor's, I get my master's, I work a couple jobs, we end up in Denver, and she's uh, volunteering so much at my daughter's school that the principal says, why don't you go get a, a teaching certificate so you can get paid for this? And so yeah. she did, and, and she graduated magna cum laude, you know, Aww. she found her passion. And, yeah. um, you know, the only thing that held her back was mm. uh, low expectations of her parents. Yeah, it was that I talk about it as labels. You know, people stick labels on us all the time, and it's our decision mm-hmm. whether we decide to believe them or pull them off. And I'm so glad she pulled that label off and put a new one on. That's awesome. Woohoo! Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a whole lot of your book, I think it's really neat. It's uh, it's based on self-esteem and personal value. Talk some more about that. How do we, where does self-esteem come from? Because uh, I don't know about you, I'm not very keen on the thing where everybody gets a participation prize and yeah. we discourage kids <laughs> from excelling. Yeah, and I, through all the research that I've done, I was a basketball coach for a lot of years. Um, the first female that Rick Majerus ever hired at the University of Utah. Um, a lot of stories I could tell there, but it, it, giving somebody a participation medal does not help self-esteem at all, at all. 
um, I worked at an alternative high school, and and so we had teachers who would give students points. And I have to admit, I was guilty of this as well. If they wrote their name correctly on the paper, I would give them some points just so that I didn't have to give them a zero. And I realized uh-huh. through research and talking to my students that they it, it didn't help at all. All it did was they thought I was an idiot. Whereas when I started demanding or expecting more and saying, hey, you're better than this, redo this, you know, or how many minutes did you spend on this term paper, 10? <laughs> because that's what it looks like, go back and redo it. And they started doing better and better. You know, that expectation uh-huh. of you're better than this, go do it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say there's no I in team. You're right, but there is a me. And if I do the best possible that I can be, that lifts the whole team. Whereas if all of us is relying on the rest of the team, the team sinks and becomes only as strong as the weakest player. Right, right. So, yeah, I I do not believe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so the foundation, you'll notice all throughout the book, there's that pyramid and the the foundation of the pyramid is personal value. I believe our personal value or our self-esteem comes from a decision that we make and then action that we take. And so we decide mm-hmm. whether we're valuable or not. And then we look mm-hmm. for validation outside of us to prove that that is true. You know, so we can go back to, you know, when your wife was diagnosed with epilepsy and how they told her, don't expect much. You know, they told her parents, don't yeah. expect much. They accepted uh-huh. that label instead of saying, hey, well, wait a minute. This is our kid. <laughs> we're going to get, you know, we're going we're gonna to expect the best of her in every single situation. And, you know, we all mm-hmm. do the best we can with what we know. We absolutely do the best with what we know. And luckily for your wife, later on in life, she had another person put a different label on her. Mm-hmm. And that label made all the difference. Both labels made a difference in her life. Yeah, and so, absolutely. You know, yeah, I challenge anybody, look at the labels that you have on you. Do they stick or not? You know, my, mm-hmm. my son is six foot nine. I'm six foot, but he's six foot nine. And so he's had that label, all kinds of labels stuck on him. And I said, mm-hmm. Max, go stand next to Mark Eaton. I love Mark Eaton. Great guy, fellow speaker. He is seven foot four. And I said, Max, compared to Mark Eaton, you're short. I said, compared <laughs> to me, you're tall. <laughs> it's all about yeah. perspective. And that's the second part of that par- of that pyramid in the book. Personal value is the bottom, a decision that you make, action that you take. Then it's perspective. How do you see things? How do you want to see things? Do you like things the way they are or do you want to change them? Mhm. So, and then the the top part is called planned responses. And that's all about, you see, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so if you've ever had somebody say something to you and it frustrates you or or makes you, you know, a little bit fuddled, and then two hours later you're like, I have the perfect response. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's because, you know, that's because for the those two hours your brain has been processing it and your emotion has been coming down. And so as your emotion comes down, your intelligence returns and you're able to think about that. So the planned responses are walking you through how to be able to still think even though you may be emotional, how to decrease that emotion, handle it, manage it so that you can still think and process and act instead of just react. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see where a lot of your uh, military training would have really contributed to some of these skills where uh, thinking under pressure, remaining rational under pressure, uh, when the bullets are flying overhead, what are you going right. to do? And right, yeah. Yeah, when we, is it okay if I share a, a story? <laughs> Absolutely, please do. This is story, okay. go for it. 
Okay, I love I love teaching through stories because they're they're easier for me to learn. <laughs> I love it when somebody uses a story. <laughs> and so um, when I went, <laughs> I am a pretty happy person. Uh, you know, I just mm-hmm. I love life. I love learning. I love experiencing things. And as a young child, I learned to rely on my physical strength more than my mental strength and because it was where I could excel. And so that was part of the reason I chose the Army. My my dad wanted me to go in the Air Force. And I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> I'm going to do the Army instead. And so I'm at Fort Dix, New Jersey, and um, brand new recruit, you know, and I'd say a shaved tail private, but I didn't get my hair shaved. <laughs> I was a female, so I didn't have to get my head shaved. And and um, the very first morning, Drill Sergeant Young comes down and around our formation. Now, I was standing in front because I'm six foot tall, and so they made me first platoon platoon leader because they like everything nice Everybody and symmetrical, you. you know, <laughs> right, right up front. And I always had problems with my left and my right. And, you know, and I'm, I'm just standing there smiling and he walks past me and he stops and he backs up and he looks at me and he goes, Private Cisco, are you smiling in my formation? <laughs> I was like, yes, real <laughs> Man, I did so many push-ups for smiling. But I decided I, I wanted to be there. You know, I loved that physical. I remember being so sore that my hair hurt. <laughs> So physical, so demanding, and and you know going through the gas chamber, and I'm like, I want to do it again. And he's like, You're the weirdest private I ever did see. <laughs> he was telling me that. <laughs> he's like, He's like, You're just weird. You're weird. So it's it. Life is what you make it. I can get up in the morning and I can say my life sucks. You know, I mean, you could look at the world right now and just want to bury your head in bed and never get out of bed. Or you can look at the world right now and say, now is the perfect time for change. Now is the mm-hmm. perfect time for my message. Now is the perfect time to reach out to people and help them and teach them how to manage their emotions so that they don't explode, so that they don't react, so that we don't have the problems that we currently have. That's my mission. Mhm. Excellent, excellent. Well, I always tell people on the show, look, you have the opportunity to make somebody else's day brighter. And uh, I say a key example is you go through McDonald's, you want to get a cup of coffee or or an egg McMuffin or something, and uh, say something nice to the people who work there. You know, I would never yeah. choose to work at McDonald's, but there are some people who have to. And, uh, right. you know, why not make the, make their day a little brighter? Right, right, exactly, exactly. And treat people with respect. You know, I, I remember reading a book, I'm sorry I don't remember what it was called now, but, but she talks about how every time she would walk into a hotel or an office building and somebody was cleaning, she would always thank them. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start doing that. And every time now I go in somewhere, I'm like, thank you so much for cleaning. Thanks for cleaning the bathroom. Thanks for cleaning my house. I have housekeepers that come in. You know, thank you mm-hmm. so much because I don't have to do it. <laughs> thank yeah. you for that, you know. And it gives them money that she loves it. She absolutely loves it. She makes a good living at it. She does a great job. And everybody has their place. Everybody mm-hmm. has what they, their talents that they were born with. The problem is, is too many people aren't courageous enough to utilize those talents to the best of their ability. They allow the mm-hmm. internal bully to stop them and tell them they're not enough. And that's, yeah. that's sad. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to kind of reach a point where, you know, there, there is a balance. I mean, uh, you can get an honest appraisal from other people on, on how you're doing, uh, but there's an awful lot of people who can't give you an accurate one. And if you allow yeah. them to tell you where you're at, you're not likely to strive. I I don't remember which musician it was. Uh, years ago, um, there, there was a, a famous violinist, and he was talking about 
you know, a question he asked or was frequently asked, um, you know, he, he'd have a young man come up to him and uh, the young man would say, you know, I, I'm really working on hard on the violin and I, I really want to reach the, the top levels like you. And the violinist asked uh, the kid, he said, if I told you that you couldn't make it, would you quit trying? And he, he said, I'm not going to tell you what the answer was, but he said, basically, if the kid said, yeah, if you told me I couldn't make it, I, I'd quit trying, he said, then you don't have what it takes. You know, if I can tell you you aren't going to make it and you still work on it, you've got what it takes to make it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's that belief in yourself that you can excel and you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Walt Disney said, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely true. No matter what you are conceiving <laughs> and believing, yeah. it's your reality. Mm-hmm. You know, so if yeah. I believe there is racism, guess what? There's racism. And mm-hmm. if I believe that I'm stupid, guess what? I'm stupid. But if I mm-hmm. believe that I have an important message to share and then I want to help people and I want to uplift people and I want to empower people, guess what? Then I get to be on the radio with amazing people like you and share my message. No, Whatever you can, you can believe, <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can achieve. Nobody ever said it would be easy. Nobody said it would be easy. They just said it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Well, that, that's one of the things that um, I think we've been missing the past 30 or 40 years in this country is, um, you, you know, if you go to tribal uh, systems, they always have an initiation right for uh, boys to become men and for girls to become uh, mature women or ladies or whatever you want to define as an uh, adult woman. And, um, of course, we don't have that here. We don't have, you know, grueling rituals where you meet with a group of men in the dead of night and they send you out on a task or something. Uh, so to me, the next best thing is boot camp. And I always tell people, <laughs> now, I I didn't go to boot camp. I have lots of friends who did. I've read a lot about it. But uh, the the idea that you make boot camp deliberately so hard for the recruits that if when they, if and when they get into battle, they'll be able to say, you know, as bad as this is, it's not as bad as boot camp, and I know I can do it. I know I can accomplish it. Right. And right. Uh, because I've been tested. And we don't have anything right. in our society now that tests young people. And uh, I certainly don't count winning at video games and making it up a ladder right. as being <laughs> a, a test of life and a test of your, your strength. And uh, I see yeah. too many people, young people, who um, – they have a very hard time making moral choices. They they play follow the leader on things like tearing down statues, which is idiotic, right. uh, things like right. that. And they don't have the gumption to to stand up, hold a view, uh, research things, uh, things like that. They they haven't been tested. Now I, I don't know where we can go with that to uh, help them get tested so they find out how strong they really are. Well, and I think it goes back to parenting. You know, as a parent, I want the absolute best for my children. And I've come to realize that sometimes the best is the hardest thing for them to do. I want to rescue them. As their parent, I want to rescue them. And that is not always the best thing to do. Sometimes the best thing to do is to say, good luck with that and step back. And let. see, mm-hmm. I believe that my current struggles are building my muscles for my future obstacles. And so if I believe this current struggle that I'm in is a gift to help me get stronger, to help me get smarter, to help me learn another way to adapt and overcome, then I welcome those struggles. And I realize that life happens for me, not to me. And so I welcome those struggles and I build my muscles. It's not that I go looking for them, it's that I don't run from them when they come. And too many mm-hmm. parents are in the process of, of trying to shield their children from those obstacles and in the process making weak 
unreliable, you know, kids. It's the same thing with, so I grew up on a farm. And if I help the little chick out of the egg, that chicken will die. The chick will not make it. The same thing Mm -hmm. with a butterfly coming out of a chrysalis. They have to go through that fiery cauldron to become as strong as they can to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, uh, there, there's these experiences, you know, the, the teenager gets in a wreck and, you know, it's one thing to be supportive, but it's another thing to say, okay, what are we going to do from now on or from here on or what do you think we need to do now? You know, how are you going to get your car fixed? How are you yeah. going to take care of this? How are you going to take care of that? And, uh, if you force them to look at the alternatives and consider what the, the possibilities are and to do some evaluations, they're probably going to remember it as a much stronger lesson than if you just say, oh, don't worry about it. I'll call the mechanic and I'll call the insurance guy and we'll just get you another car. You know, yeah. uh, that that bailing them out is, uh, it takes something out of life for them. It absolutely does. And as a child grows and gets older, the price tag gets higher and higher. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my son, my son's 22 now, but when he was probably about three, we were getting ready to leave. We live in Utah. It's cold in the winter here. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting ready to leave. And I'm like, hey, Max, you better grab your coat. He throws a fit. And I'm like, okay. And so me as the adult, I have to look at the consequences. So we're going to walk out of a warm house, go get in the car that's cold, and it has a good heater. So probably in about 10, 15 minutes, it'll be up to temperature. So for 15 minutes, Max is going to be cold. Will he live through that? Yep, absolutely. Will he learn a very valuable (laughs) lesson? Yes, I believe so. And so I'm like, okay, Max, let's just go. You don't have to wear your coat. And he's like, I'm cold. Yep, that's what happens when you don't take your coat. And and so I never had to worry about Max taking his coat again. And then, yeah. then another time, he's probably about five or six, running down the sidewalk, his shoelace comes untied. And I'm like, hey, Max, you might want to tie your shoe. No, 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 no. And then he tr- steps on it and falls, skins his knees. And so mm-hmm. now that's the second pretty big incident. Now, mm-hmm. you know, Max hits. 13, 14, and I say, hey, Max, you might want to check out the friends you're hanging out with. Is that who you want to become? Because you absolutely will. Now he's learned that when mom gives a warning, she's giving a warning because something bad could happen. And Mm -hmm. so I better listen to that. (laughs) You know, and my, my my son said, every time you say good luck with that, I freak out. I'm like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? <laughs> Mom knows something. I don't know. What does she know? And and that's it's because I had the strength and the courage to allow him to trip over his shoelace. It's because I had the strength mm-hmm. and the courage to allow him to get in a cold car instead of forcing him to wear a coat. Mm-hmm. And that's that's tough. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I wish your book would have been around for uh, when my daughter was in uh, elementary school and junior high, uh, because she was bullied, and uh, yeah, we tried to do work with her, and uh, we we had one sympathetic teacher who helped, and another teacher who couldn't care less. Uh, on some systemic bullying. Um, yeah. I mean, one one of the the nasty little schoolmates of my daughter, um, they had like a sleepover where there's like three or four of the girls, and then at school the next week, she told all the all the other girls in the class that my daughter was gay. And wow, it, it just uh, it, it kind of ruined the rest of her school year. Yeah, yeah. How old? How old is your daughter now? Uh, she's forty-one. Okay. And she has a degree um, in counseling psychology. Uh, yeah. So. And I bet now I I don't know about your daughter, and I could be totally wrong, 
But I have found that a lot of times the things that we struggled with the most as a kid are the things that we have become experts in as adults. If Mm -hmm. we have taken those challenges as an opportunity to step up and help others. You know, you mentioned that your daughter is is a counselor. She helps people deal with those things. You know, and so... Mm -hmm. So I talk about, you know, I have, I have mentoring clients that I work with all the time, and I say, go back to that painful experience, and what's the gold nugget that you can learn from it? You know, Tony Robbins talks about his mother and the abuse and how horrible it was, and in the very next breath, he says, I love her. And if she, hadn't, if she had been the mother I wanted instead of the mother I needed, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to, you know, what what did I need to learn from that experience? What did I learn from that experience that helped make me who I am today? That's mm-hmm. how, you, how you create a better past for yourself. So many people keep living that story over and over and over again. And it just sinks you further and further down. But if you can go back and say, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, let's take it one at a time and let's say, what lesson did I learn from that experience? What do I need to mm-hmm. know? What, how did I get stronger? How did I get smarter? How did I learn to overcome and achieve? Then now I take that gold nugget and I look at it and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And once you get the learning, when you understand what the pain is was for, the pain is instantly healed. The healing is instantaneous once you realize what the pain was for. Mm-hmm. So how do I get a better past? I create a more compelling future by making decisions right now to heal my past and create a new future for myself. So I don't keep living mm-hmm. that same old story, just like your wife did. Your wife was told one story, then she created a whole different story. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Well, I'll tell you a funny story uh, in my own background. So I have three older brothers, and uh, so the three of them were clustered together, and then I came along five years later. And so the oldest brother is my protector, and the middle two were my tormentors. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, um, in junior high and high school, I really started to grow. And uh, when I was a junior in high school, and uh, in order to finance my, my first car, I, I was working in an iron foundry part-time. And uh, so that following summer, we're at the neighbor's pool, and the two middle brothers decided to both jump on my shoulders and dunk me in the, the deep end. Well, they were hanging on to me, and I grabbed the pool ladder, and I climbed out of the pool with both of them hanging on my back. And they suddenly had the little light bulb go off that we probably (laughs) shouldn't make Dave mad. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. All of a sudden they realized, wait a minute, Dave's stronger than we are. (laughs) This this is dangerous, and and that's, that's when it ended, finally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my I told you my son is 6 foot 9 and um yeah. he has an older he has two older brothers. They're they're step brothers, but you know, he he was 3 when they joined the family, so they're all brothers. Mm-hmm. And and Josh was picking on Josh is four four no nine four and a half years older than Max, and he was kind of picking on mm-hmm. on Max one day and I said, "Josh, you need to be careful because I bet Max is going to be bigger than you someday. <laughs> and he, you know, he kind of looked at me kind of funny, you know, and I said, it, it's totally up to you. I said, you know, but, but you might want to think about it. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was, I realized that usually it's, it's the second person that gets in trouble. You know, somebody will pick on someone, the little brother gets upset you know, and yeah. and the big brother, the little brother goes, picks on the big brother, the big brother retaliates, and the big brother gets in trouble. And yeah. and I'm like, hold on, let's let's see what's going on here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to <laughs> just make a snap, snap judgment. And I said, only in a family does 
the big kid get in trouble. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to I don't want to have that kind of a family. I want to look at the situation. It doesn't matter on the size. What matters is what happened. What happened here? Yeah. What's the story? You know, what's your story? What's your story? Okay, the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and then let's <laughs> you know, let's see see where we're at here. So and and I think I think part of the problem you know, with sibling rivalries or, or sibling sibling problems is um, parents are tired, they're worn out, and they just want it to go away. And my my advice is to work on that overwhelm and deal with your own emotions. Think, okay, so think about you wake up in the morning and you've got 100 units of energy and before you get out of bed, you start thinking about, oh, man, that bill's due today. I don't have the money for it. I'm tired. I didn't sleep well last night. Oh, my gosh. You've already burned up 30 40% of your, of your energy units already, and you haven't even gotten out of bed. And so mm-hmm. if you can start managing, you know, that internal voice, in fact, I'm writing a third book right now called Taming the Bully Between Your Ears because that drains so much energy or the negative voices, you know, that, that tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're too old, you're too young, you know, you're too fat, you're too skinny, whatever it is that they come up with, those voices shut us down all the time. Again, your wife mm-hmm. is a perfect example, you know, or I can choose when my alarm goes off in the morning to say, wow, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for another day. I'm so grateful. I've got my health. You know, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better every day. And then when I go down to breakfast and I'm making breakfast and my kids start arguing, I have energy enough to deal with it. That's Mm -hmm. the important thing. Manage your energy. Absolutely. So the well, the more you manage hop, it, the more energy you have. <laughs> Sorry, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, let's hop over to to bullies. Uh, one of the things I I really liked what you said was uh, essentially getting bullies out of the script in their head by asking them that diverting question. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Some? Yeah. So when when people so hurt people hurt people and so when i'm hurting i want everyone around me to hurt too and it's not necessarily that i consciously think of that it's more of a i'm in pain and so like attracts like and so i want you to be in pain too so that you can feel my pain and mm-hmm. so they target people and then it becomes a habit because they get a a, a thrill off of causing someone else pain because they have pain. And it can become mm-hmm. addicting. It can become a habit. And so when we are doing habits, whether it's tying our shoes or using a swear word or you know driving the same way to work, you've got to have a pattern interrupt to stop that. And so I don't even, when I'm in the middle of a habit, a habit means I'm doing it without thinking. And so if I can mm-hmm. interrupt and make somebody think, then I can change that behavior. To replace a habit, you've got to create a new habit. And so if I can pull someone from not thinking and get them to thinking, then I can change what's going on. So so what happens is, is you ask a question to get them to think. You can't ask, why are you being mean to me? Because that they're expecting that, and that just escalates it. But if I ask the question, hey, what, what's for lunch today? That, that takes a thinking that to pause and think for a moment. It totally mm-hmm. interrupts them. It's, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. It's that pattern interrupt. And so it, it brings them, you know, it's, it's the same thing when we were talking about earlier, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so when mm-hmm. I can interrupt that pattern for them and help them get, bring that emotion down, bring the brain back online, 
then the neocortex back online. So there's there's quite a few parts in the brain, but the two specific parts that we're talking about right now are the limbic brain, which is responsible for freeze, fight or flight. Most people have heard of that, not everybody, but that's the response center of our brain. It's the instinctual part, and mm-hmm. it is responsible yeah. for shutting down you know, the blood to the organs and getting blood to my muscles so I can beat somebody up or run away. It's the fight or flight. It's totally automatic. It happens automatic. And the neocortex actually shuts down when the limbic brain is online. So anytime I'm afraid or I'm intimidated or I'm overwhelmed or I'm scared, any of those things, my limbic brain is on high alert and my neocortex has shut down. You can see examples of this all over, especially right now. So many people reacting and they're not thinking because they're in their limbic brain. They're afraid and they're just totally reacting instead of thinking through things. And so when you ask that question, why are they doing that? Well, they're not thinking. They're just reacting. And so as we can start to do that pattern interrupt and get people to calm down, you know, let go and just breathe. And I I use um, doTERRA essential oils quite a bit. Lavender is great for calming the nervous system um, and, you know, calming things down. They also have an oil called breathe. I use that all the time. You know, oh, man, I can't pay my bills. Am I going to get evicted? Oh, my gosh, now my husband's yelling at me. Oh, my gosh, I'm constantly in that limbic brain. Whereas if I can just sit down, take some deep breaths, and start talking myself through it. Okay, it's going to be okay. It's all right. Right now in this moment, I'm okay. There's no big boogeyman in the closet going to jump out and get me. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. The problem is is we don't take the time to do that because we just go from one catastrophe to the next to the next. And there's, you know, I I have shut off the the news media in our house. You still hear it. You know, I mean, it's still there, but I don't directly pump it into my home anymore because I don't need that fear-mongering all the time. I don't want to live Mm -hmm. my life that way. I choose not to live that way. I choose to think, process information, and act, purposely Mm -hmm. act on things. What did you see in the the military in terms of bullying? Were you able to learn lessons from that or uh, start developing your concepts here? So the so there's there is a couple of things that hazing you know is hazing bullying or is hazing making people stronger depends on the way mm-hmm. they take it. Now, the purpose of the military is to take individual soldiers, break them down, and then build them back up into a team, into a cohesive, unified team. And they do a very, very good job of that. Bullying is to tear someone else down so I feel better. It's to intimidate and control someone else. So does Mm -hmm. bullying happen in the military? Absolutely. No matter where people are, they're people. (laughs) And there's ones that make good decisions and there's ones that make bad decisions. It it doesn't matter race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, none of that matters. You've got ones that make good decisions and ones that make bad decisions. And a bad decision can be followed by a good decision and a good decision can be followed by a bad decision. Each decision uh-huh. needs to stand on its own. And mm-hmm. so when when I'm being bullied, I need to, there, there's a question that I always ask. Why would a reasonable, rational person behave this way? Then that allows me to see into them and give me some insight, and I know that hurt people hurt people. So I'll give you an example. Um Last week, 
well, a couple weeks ago, I started marketing a webinar that I was teaching. I was marketing it on Facebook. And so I let people know, hey, I've got a webinar coming up Friday. It's an hour and a half, um, $57. Love to have you sign up. And a lady totally attacked me, told me it was a scam, it was horrible, she was going to report me, you know. And so I I got on, on, I just said, I know that hurt people hurt people. Therefore, I know that you're hurting. How can I help? You know, I don't remember exactly what I said, but that was basically Mm -hmm. the impetus behind it. And she came back with all kinds of profanities and just, horrendous things. Now, I could have been hurt. I could have been upset. I could have shut down. I could have pulled all my marketing off, but I didn't because I know that hurt people hurt people. And so I don't Mm -hmm. take her attack personally. I know it's about her. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was able to leave that marketing up. I got tons of likes, tons of comments, you know, hey, this is really needed. I'm so glad you're doing this. Thank you so much for your help. And the the problem is is that most of us focus on that one negative and we discredit all of the positive that came with it. The human mm-hmm. mind is made and directed to find the negative, to find the, the scary monster in the closet so that it can protect yeah. us. But we don't have a saber-toothed tiger hiding around the corner anymore. We may right. have a person that's going to jump out and yell at us, but it's it's totally separate. You know, they're not they're not in my face. It's on social media, so I'm safe. The mm-hmm. first time I realized that was um, I've been divorced, and I was working with my ex-husband, and he was being very verbally abusive on the phone. And it like it just a light bulb went off and I, I pulled the phone away from my ear and I looked at it and I was like, Hang up and so I hung up. <laughs> I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, I don't have to listen to this And and I hung up and he called back yelling and screaming and I hung up again. And he called back and he was so polite. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh Oh my gosh I helped him shift and be nice to me because people treat you the way you train them to treat you. Mm-hmm. And so if I allow someone to continue to yell at me and berate me and I take that because I think I deserve it, when am I ever going to stand up and say, excuse me, you don't talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unacceptable. When you calm down, you can come back and talk to me. And I, I think that a majority of people are afraid to, you know, offend somebody or they're afraid to say, hey, excuse me, this is your issue, not mine. And they don't, they don't want to appear the bad person, so they take a bunch of crap. Instead of saying, whoa, hang on, that's your issue, not mine. You get to deal with that, not me. You know, love. It, mm-hmm. it, it's about loving myself, which allows me to love others even more. And sometimes that sounds egotistical, but it's not. If I don't think my life is valuable, I'll never think yours is. And for a long time, I fought against that belief. I was like, well, no, I can love others more than I can love myself. They're more important uh-huh. than I am. And then I realized, no, that's not true. The Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself. He doesn't say, love your neighbor mm-hmm. more. He doesn't say, put your neighbor first. He says, as thyself, which uh-huh. means I need to love me so I can love them. Yeah. Well, great. Um there are a couple of people who have raised their hands on the switchboard. I'd like to see if they have a question to ask. Are you up to taking some questions? Absolutely. I'd love to take questions. Yes. Okay. So for the people I'm going to bring on, uh, I'm going to do it by your area code, and then we'd appreciate if you give us a first name so we know uh, how to address you. So uh, the first one is area code 804. Hello. Are you there? 
Yes, hi. Uh, my name is uh, Hugh. I'm loving everything that you're saying and wanted to see uh, uh, if there's ways I can collaborate because I have some very powerful things to I think uh, Jeannie would be able to get more attention with the beautiful work that she's doing globally, too. Uh, so uh, if I can give one quick example of something that is I, I, a poem I authored that I put out to raise the consciousness and used it. It has some legs to it. It's in the President Ronald Reagan Library. I put it out as a weapon against terrorism when 9-11 happened. Maya Angelou commented on my poem, and I also now put it out as a global memorial to George Floyd. It's a very short poem. It's only three lines long. It's titled Caring Sharing. It reads, if you dare to care, then share. If you share, pay heed. God will reward every good deed. I'm looking for any artist, any nonprofit, any company, any organization to use the poem for fundraising or to bring attention back to their websites and social media and show how they're adhering to the message of that poem. Oh, Jeannie? So, yeah, I would I would love to collaborate. Um, I am the only Jeannie Cisco Meth on the Internet, which makes it easy to find me. And um, my last name is spelled just like the computers, uh, accessories and drugs. So absolutely reach out to me. Um, my email is Jeannie at Jeannie Cisco Meth. And, and I'd, I'd love to love to collaborate. That would be great. And thanks for sharing your poem. Well, thank you again yes, for everything you. that you're doing, and I, I'm committed to empowering women and indigenous people globally in my work, too, and uh, once I connect with you, I might bring it back to Dave, too, because I think what he's doing is excellent. Yes. Well, thank Absolutely. you for uh, for contacting us, Hugh. Thank you well, for uh, joining us. Well, people helping people helping people, and uh, I, uh, if I can share one brief article, it might be interesting for people to see it, the current state that I'm in, and I also want to thank Jeannie for her service. I'm a Vietnam-era Air Force veteran, and others. Uh, I've had severe COPD after a near-death experience in 2007 and was told I wouldn't be alive more than a few months and came into the veterans health care system through the means test in 2008, and the pulmonary doctor took one look at me and said, you'll be dead in six months. It, nice meeting you too, Doc. Beautiful bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> if I can share my name in this brief article, because what Jeannie had talked about related to the butterfly, I, have a, I had a butterfly encounter that's quite interesting and synchronistic. So I can share that if you like. Uh, is it brief? Yes, it's just my name and after my name, a few words. Uh, my name okay. is Hugh, H-U-G-H, uh, last name Trollson is spelled T like Tom, then R-A-U-L, S like Sam, E like Edward, N like Nancy, and then after my name, just put the words on manifesting your future. So I thank you so much for allowing me to put that out to the world, too. Sure, sure. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks for calling in. Have a good evening. Yeah, I'll continue listening, and God bless you both, and I'll keep you in my prayers. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, uh, we have another person, area code 973. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call. This is Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, the conversations were very interesting, especially when you were talking about sibling rivalry. But... um I, I mean, I wrestled with sibling rivalry from where ever since I was a young child, and I could never understand. It took me a long time to really get to the place of understanding that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And I, I was physically bullied as a child by a sibling, and psychologically bullied as a child. I mean, as, by the same sibling as an adult. But she did it via my mother. So my mother enabled her, and I never could understand why, because from my standpoint, she didn't look like she was hurting. So I'm not really sure what 
was really going on between her relationship and my mother's relationship. But I know that she really never wanted my mother to be close to me. Like, she did a lot of things to keep my mother from being um, emotionally attached to me. Okay. And it all came to a crux when my mother um, passed away and a lot of undermining was done. And then, you know, I began to look over my life and realize she always went out her way to try to hurt me, and I never understood why, with the exception of I was the second girl. If I hadn't been a part of the family, she would have been the only girl. And she was pampered her entire life. So, long story short, I'm walking through that whole rejection from a sister that I loved, but who didn't love me the same way. And feeling like, you know, kind of betrayed from my mother because she didn't stand up for me when she had an opportunity to. And I think she did that out of fear. So um, I understand what you, what you made a comment about prolonged stress and, you know, how we, I mean, how we become reactive when we're yeah. in our, um, I think you said the lymphatic phase. Yeah, the limbic brain, yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm trying to understand how to reprogram my, my brain in terms of dealing with those internal traumas. and um, But I find myself overthinking. Instead of reacting, yeah. I find myself <laughs> overthinking. And that leads to f- further stress. And it, right. it, it has manifested itself in like like some um, medical issues and concerns. So I know that there's something that I probably can do in terms of, I guess, to strengthen that, you know, um, instead of the lymphatic part of my brain, you you mentioned something else. The the planned responses, because when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so the third part of my book absolutely deals step-by-step with how to retrain the brain to be able Mm -hmm. to deal with emotional stimuli and um, stress. And and what I'd like to do, Jackie, if you're okay, is um, I'd like to tell you, of course, go grab a copy of my book. (laughs) Um, If you go to bullyproofingyoubook.com, there's a whole home study course there. You can get the book. There's videos Mm -hmm. and a workbook and everything that goes together. The other thing I'd like to invite you to do is to set aside some time, I would suggest the sooner the better, and ask yourself the question, why would a reasonable, rational, you know, sister behave that way? But she hasn't been rational and and reasonable because she hasn't hasn't been. And so what that helps lead you to is the energy or the emotion behind that irrationality. There's a chemical imbalance diagnosed. Yes. Okay. And basically the family just didn't talk about it and the sister camouflaged it but she was extremely savvy in hiding it but we knew that something with her wasn't all there yeah but on the outside she's perfect but on the inside she's like a beast and unless you get close you won't know like literally everyone who gets close to her she drives them away to the point where, like, it's so hard to explain it, but... So it it sounds like to me, without knowing her, without knowing a lot more detail, it sounds to me like she's very insecure and that she is jealous and that she feels that by pulling you down, she can be stronger. But it starts with, I bet if you were to look behind and go, why why is she behaving this way? Because a reasonable, rational person would not behave this way. So that leads me to believe there's something else going on. And if you were to look at it and say, wow, I, I bet she doesn't like herself very much. And she's hurting. And so she's lashing out at others. And she's she's trying to fill a hole that mm-hmm. she has created with her beliefs with mm-hmm. outside validation. 
And the problem with that is you will never fill an internal hole without with outside validation because you continue to dig the hole. You know, if if I don't like myself, right. and somebody says to me, wow, you're beautiful. No, I'm not. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And so they just gave me a compliment, but I brush it away or I push it away because my internal belief is, no, I'm not. I'm ugly or I'm stupid or I'm, you know, I'm broken in some way. So and, and, and so how I have you this just, hole. And, and that's how she made me feel. Whereas looking at her to others, she would appear perfect. And but so what that you tells just me is that was how in, she made me feel as yeah. a thing, like something because was she wrong. she wanted with you, yeah, she wanted you to feel the way she was feeling. Because then she has, she has company in her misery. And then it makes her more normal and it makes her more acceptable because, look, she's just like me. Wow. And many times people who are, you know, you say she's perfect from the outside. That's your perspective. Her perspective is, wow, if you really knew me, if you knew Mm -hmm. me inside, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can't allow you to get to know me so that you can see all my flaws and my mistakes and all of these issues, so I'm going to keep you away. And if I can be a prickly hedgehog, you'll never get close to me. You will always assume I'm perfect because you're standing across the room looking at me. But if you get close and you really saw me, you would know that I was a mess. And I can't let that happen. So I've got to keep you away. And see, the the the, the thing that I wish my mother had done, and in, in which I'm, this is what I'm trying to do with my children, because my I have three sons and they're all different. I, first thing first, I I detest sibling rivalry. I detest backbiting between my sons. I don't entertain it. It brings back those memories that hurt me on the inside. It it, it actually let me understand that um, what the inner child was all about whenever I saw my kids bickering or doing certain things, I like, I hate it. So I'm always telling them that, no, that's not what you're supposed to do because it was done to me and it had such lasting effects. But back to to bullying, I I think bullies are the biggest cowards. Um, Right now I'm, I'm trying to immerse myself into social emotional learning because I have to incorporate it in my job. And the meditation has been helpful, I know, along the way for me to deal with, you know, some of my own personal issues. And I'm just, you know, I'm looking looking for resources, so I definitely am going to look into your book. Um, Okay. Is it on Amazon, or you just have to get it at your website? No, you can get it on Amazon as well. Um, You can get it on my website. The whole home study course is on my website. Only the book is available on Amazon. I, w- I want to back up a little bit and say, and and when I first say this, it may sting a little bit, but mm-hmm. I hope that you listen with your whole heart. <laughs> and okay. I want to say your sister gave you a gift in that you are raising your young men different because you're not allowing them to do what happened to you. And so she gave you a gift to see what it's like when families don't get along, when families don't come together. And so you are raising your young men to be different. And that's powerful. Because their whole life they'll have each other. That family unit is so important. And and that's because what our I'm manifesting. Because yeah. I, I see the same things that I didn't want to happen that happened to me happening between, like, two brothers in particular, my second and my third child. When the third child started to have issues, the second child is extremely critical of him. Like, look at him, look at him. Oh, you just love him, you just love him. I'm like, that's not it. Everyone is different. Because I understand the youngest child's issues because I struggled with the same issues 
when I was about his age. So it seemed like yeah. it's a repetitive cycle, and I'm trying to change it and Absolutely. break it. Yeah, so yeah, you can be that chain breaker. Absolutely, you can be that chain breaker. And you're going to find some really good tools and techniques to help not only yourself but your son as well in okay. that book, in that workbook. It's really going to help you a lot, and, okay. and both of you will benefit it from it. All, all of your family will benefit from it. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate the conversation, and I definitely need it. Yeah, today. absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in, Jackie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Great you. question. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Hey, have a good evening. You too, Well, we're about out of time here. So, uh, again, tell us about your book, where to get it, uh, all the different ways, and uh, what people can see on your website. Yeah, so um, it's bullyproofingyoubook.com. You can also get it at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. It's it's pretty much anywhere you want to pick it up. But the home study course that has the workbook and the videos and, and all the help is at bullyproofingyoubook.com. And um, I'm on social media. Please reach out to me. Say, hey, I heard you on Dave's show. I got a question or I've got, hey, you know, can you answer this? Shoot me an email. Let me know that you heard about me on, on Dave's show. I'd love to help in any way that I can. And, you know, if you want to get on the phone or whatever and we can spend some time together talking some more, just send me an email, genie at com. Okay. And is there on your email, is there a hyphen in, between Cisco and there Meth? There isn't. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no okay. hyphen between Cisco and Meth, and it's J-E-A-N-I-E. Sounds good. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much for being on. Uh, this has been a, just a pleasure speaking to you and uh, very helpful information for a lot of people out there. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you. Well, for all our listeners, thank you for joining us. I hope you had a safe fourth, and please join us for our show next week. It's probably going to be me, so... Uh, I haven't done a, my own show for a while, so uh, please join me, and have a great week. Take care, and good night.